0: So today we conclude our series on the invitation to the Jesus life. And I, and I pray that this series has, has blessed you as, as it's blessed me pulling this series together because it, it's it's a reminder uh, to us all that, that we have an invitation. Not only just an invitation to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, but but to live a life that 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 He has called us to live. So we're closing with a a, a series, or closing the series with a sermon that that you know I, I found it kind of hard to pull together this past week, just because the main reason why it's something that I don't want to do. I, I I want to hold on to those things that that I think let me be who I am. But the fact of the matter is, whenever I look at those things that, I, that I, I want to hold on to, it's not letting me be who I am. It's building a false self that I find becomes harder and harder for me to actually live up to. So as we prepare to hear God's word this morning, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Oh God, that song that we just sang, the invitation to have your own way with us, to allow your love and your grace to to wash over us, to help us to set aside the things of this world and to set our hearts and minds on things above. Oh God, we pray that as we move into this time together that you allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here to be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Well, I was going to start this sermon off with a, a pastoral fail moment. And, and, and what I mean by that is that there was a sermon that I preached a while ago that when I got done with it, I thought, oh, man, that was just awesome. You know, every once in a while I'll have those. And this was particularly one of them. It was a sermon on, on grace. And I felt like when I was preaching the sermon, I was really just just laying it out there and just making sure to reinforce and remind everyone that, that we live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ by grace and grace alone. That there is absolutely nothing, nothing that we can do to earn God's, God's merit and favor in our lives. That, that That is a gift that God gives us. So after the sermon was over, uh, I can't remember if it was here if it was at a church previously, But I I was greeting with some people after the service, and and a woman walked up to me and said, Pastor Chris, that just want to let you know that that was just a really good sermon. So I I started going, yay, awesome, great. I'm glad she she thought that. And then she said these words, It is always good to be reminded that God helps those who help themselves. And then she walked on. And I just went, Sigh. so that's not what the sermon was about. That's not even a biblical statement to be saying. But how, how in the world, when I'm talking about how grace, that we re- receive grace because it's a gift from God, how in the world did, did she come up with that God helps those who helps themselves? But I realized, e- even then, that that is something that has invaded the Christian thought here in the United States of America. That, that there are people who actually believe that the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is in the Bible. It's not. It's nowhere in the Bible where God helps those who helps themselves because we are dependent on God's grace in our lives. In 2000, George Barna did a survey about this particular phrase. And, and the, the question that he had was like to this effect, to the statement, the Bible teaches that God helps those who help themselves. Across a series of polls, 53% of Americans strongly agree that God helps those who help themselves. 22% agree somewhat with that statement, while 7% disagree somewhat and 14% disagree strongly, and 5% said, well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if God helps those who helps themselves. It, it's one of those tricky things that, that we have to deal with, and I think the reason why we struggle with that is because of what our scripture is about today. And that scripture is all about dying to self. Allowing that, that, that false self to be, be wiped away from us so that we can live as Christ has called us to live. Free. Free from all of those things that, that bind us and, and make us feel like we're something that we're really not. So that's why this makes this message a, a really hard message to hear. Why it makes this message a really hard message to preach. I'll admit, it, it's really hard for me because I want to be self-sufficient. I, I want to do it all on my own. I think part of that has to be with uh, be, being the, the youngest sibling of, of the family. And not only just the youngest sibling, uh, we have three uh, bell belf family cousins my, my brother who's the oldest my my older cousin Michael who was in between us and then me and I tell you I got beat up a lot and I had to try to find ways to make myself self-sufficient because I had to to save myself from these two older brutes who kept beating me up and I had to do it all on my own but then, when I grew up, I realized that, that I needed to be self-sufficient, I needed to continue to do something to, to what people call today is, is building your own platform, making sure that, that you stand out and above everybody else. that we want to be the biggest and the best. But here's the problem: that when we strive to be the biggest and the best, when we strive to become self-sufficient, when we strive to try to build a platform where people look at us and see how wonderful we are, I think we lose the biggest gift that God has given us. And that gift is in living as the person God has created us to be living with the gifts and graces and the way that Christ calls us to live. Lindsay, our youth director, uh, going into her office, she has a... uh, little quote in her office and every single time I see it it makes me smile. I think she might know what it is. It's this quote by Oscar Wilde. And and I've heard this quote before, but but every single time I see it in her office it makes me smile. It's up on the screen right now. He said, Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. What 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 a reminder for us. You know, sometimes our our false self is, is allowing this this imposter to live our lives because we want to be someone else. But see, we don't have to be anyone else. We just have to be ourselves because everyone else is taken. Honestly, I think when we're not trying to be who God created us to be, we live as our false self. And we live as trying to be bigger than we really are. You know, I, I think of my years doing a, a new church start. One of the things that I was taught was to, to go out and network and, and try to meet people in the community. And, and I still love to do that, but, but I, I have a different focus when I do that now. It, it used to be, how can I network with somebody so that I could get something out of them to, to make me more important? Try to use people instead of just loving them for who they are. In friendships, the challenge that we should have is to love the person in front of them just because of who they are. Not, not to see how I can be a better friend, but just knowing and loving that person there. And for ourselves, do we try to find as many ways to fulfill our lives instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to invite us to, to stop thinking about ourselves and to daily live in the self-giving love of God. My friends, that's the life that I want to die to. I, I want to die it's, instead of trying to, to push myself forward and live in the self-giving love of God that never that never ends, that never fades, that, that, that never goes away. And our scripture for this morning helps us to see how we can do that. Our scripture is from Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. I invite you to follow along in your Bible. Or if not, we'll have the words on the screen that you can follow along. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, for though the law I died to, so I'm sorry, for through the law that I died to, the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for it is righteousness. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be very familiar with one of the lines in this scripture. It's the line, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer me that lives, but Christ lives in me. That's a blessing for us. Uh, if, if we look at, at how we try to move through this life, knowing that we have been crucified with Christ, our false self, our, that, that, that self that we are to die to, to die for, goes away and we can fully live, as sons and daughters of God. But, but there's something very important that we must do. That thing that we must do is that we must participate in Christ's death. Now, that's a hard teaching. That's a hard statement to, to hear because we don't want anything to do with that. We don't want anything to do that, that, that can make us sad, that can, that can make us less than who we think we already are. But, but when we take the opportunity to participate in Christ's death, we can fully live in the scriptures that Paul tells us in Philippians 3, verses 10-11, through 11, that we want to know Christ. Yes, to, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings to become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, suffering and participating in his suffering and death reminds us that we have hope. Without the suffering, without the death, we have no hope. And when we would take a look at the world around us, what is the one thing that that we need to have now more than anything? That is the hope of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is plenty of suffering out there. We we, we can see it when we turn on the news. We can see it when we we scroll through our our Facebook pages. We we can see it in every aspect of our own lives. And if we, we fail to realize that there is hope that comes through suffering, then how in the world can we take the opportunity to live the with God life right now? Now, for, for us, for, for where we are right now, it, it is a reminder that, that we may not have the answers for, for the things that, that are causing us pain in our lives right now. I, I think of one of our church members who is getting ready to start chemotherapy again next week. And, and as we circle around him and, and as we prayed for him this morning during the 8.30 service, There is a ton of hope that is radiating through him because he knows that that no matter what happens in his life, that he will always be held by the hands of his Savior who loves him and cares for him. And looking at those people that were gathered around him as we prayed together, we saw hope in our eyes that God is going to see him through. And that God will continue to allow his story, his true self. See, he's died to his old self, and he's allowed his true self, who he is, through the God who loves him and cares for him, to help him see what really matters, what we are to live and how we are to grow in our faith. See, so I think that helps us to see that hope that we have to, to live the with God life right now is not something that we have to wait for. We can live in that right Now, a lot of times when we talk about death and we talk about suffering and resurrection, we talk about being able to go somewhere else. But see, our faith does not tell us that we have to wait for a certain time to receive that. We can receive that right here and right now. One of the most influential disciples, Peter, he struggled with this. He struggled with it, and he tried to circumvent it many different times throughout the Gospels. One of the first times is in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has the disciples gathered together, and he tells them the first time that he is going to be put to death. And Peter, God bless Peter, he, he does something that I just love, something that I just really caught here recently. Peter, to not to embarrass Jesus, the scripture says that he pulled Jesus to the side. So, so Jesus gives this prediction that he's going to die, and Peter's like, hey, 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 Jesus, come on over here real quick. Um, no, you're not going to do that. And I think it's a good thing that Peter was pull, pulled Jesus to the side because Jesus gives Peter some of the hardest words that, that I think anybody would want to hear from their Lord and Savior. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what's about to happen. But this must occur in order for the scriptures to be fulfilled. Needless to say, this wasn't the first time that wasn't the only time that Peter put his foot in his mouth, per se. Another time Jesus has the disciples up in the upper room and they're 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 gathering in a meal and Jesus he takes off his clothes and he puts a towel around his waist and he starts to wash the disciples' feet. And as he gets up to Peter, what does Peter do? He stands up and says, no, 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 no. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, look, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have nothing to do with me. So, so Peter went from one extreme to the other saying, no, you're not going to wash my feet to, well, then wash all of me, everything. Just, just get me all the way clean. Just douse me with what you have and, and, and let me be uh, the best. And Jesus says, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. And I think sometimes we don't get it either. See, we are already clean because of the words that Jesus has given to us. And Jesus was reminding him to Peter say you know you're you're already clean but all you need is for your feet to be cleaned and let me show you this act of service. And you would think that Peter would know enough by then but then as Jesus takes the disciples to the garden of Gethsemane the the Pharisees and, and the Roman soldiers all come to take Jesus away. And as they come close, Peter pulls out his sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the servants. And Jesus once again steps in and goes, no, 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 stop. This is not how it's supposed to happen. And he healed the servant's ears and he went on to do what? To suffer and to die so that Peter... So that the rest of the disciples, and so that we as Christ's disciples right here and right now can live in the hope of resurrection. See, my friends, Peter did not understand that I think sometimes we don't understand that without Christ's suffering and death, we will never have resurrection. Without Christ's suffering and death, we will always live in in, in a state of despair. Without Christ's suffering and death and, and, and living into his grace, we would be hopeless because we would have no source of where true hope comes from. And my friends, this this is a reminder that that this is something we have to do daily. I know I have to do it daily. Every morning that I wake up, I go, God, I need your grace again today. Because I don't know if I'm gonna make it through the day. Because I know somebody's gonna say something and it will set me off. I'll I'll read a news story and I'll be just so frustrated. I'll I'll have somebody look at me the wrong way, and it'll just ruin my day. But the fact of the matter is, as as Emily Massey, who's the author, she writes, to die daily is to choose others above yourself. We live in a world that that really is just trying to tell us that we must live for ourselves and, and forget about others. That there are ways that, that, that we go through our daily lives where we fail to think about how something will affect someone else. But we want to do it our own way because of our own freedom. And, my friends, that's not freedom, that's a new way of, of, of a prison. To, to help us to see, as we mentioned earlier, that we live in this siloed world where what's best for me is best for me and what's best for others, well, that doesn't matter because, well, it doesn't really affect me as it should. But you may be saying to yourself, Chris, I know what you're talking about is how to live the with Jesus life, and to be like Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, Pastor, I will never be Jesus. And to that, I just smile and I say, thank God that we will never be Jesus. We can't be our own Savior. We don't have to be the Savior of the world because the Savior has already come. The Savior has already set us free. And the Savior has freed us with his grace, with his mercy, with his love, to allow us to work with him and to make a difference in the world around us. Not because we are Jesus, but because he has set us free to be his hands and feet and to serve and to give without any hesitation at all. And that's why we come to this table. That's why we come to partake of the bread and of the cup. It's a partaking of and it's a reminder of, of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. So while we eat the bread and while we drink the juice, we remember that Christ did all of this for us. And as we live into his promises, we can then share that grace with others. Would you please pray with me? oh God, as we prepare to receive this meal. Help us to remember. Help us to hear that promise that we have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer us who lives, but it is Christ who lives in us. Allow this, this holy, mysterious meal to remind us that, that we don't have to do this on our own. That you are there with us, step by step, every moment of the day. And all we have to do is to say, God, here we are. I give to you all that I am. I don't need you to help me anymore, God. I just need you to have me. To have all of me. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You are the potter. We are the clay. And we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.